Winston, stop it. No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. How's it going? Eh? It's going all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we had some rain yesterday. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, rain in here. Mm-hmm. It had been dry for a couple weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. My vehicle was getting dustier and dustier. <laughs> yes, you're like, come on, <laughs> live up to your reputation. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all yeah. the weather talk. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, hey, I wanted to revisit just a briefly uh, Hogan's Heroes. Oh, from right. last time. Because we're talking about Robert Clary and right. his friendship with uh, some of the other actors on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, just made me look up some stuff, some history of the of the show, and what the actors themselves did, and so forth. And we were talking about their ages and all that jazz. So yeah, most of the guys were in their thirties, and then Bob Crane was like early forties, and Werner Klemper was in his fifties, and John Banner was about sixty. Mm-hmm. He was one of the, he and Leon Askin, the actor whose name I couldn't remember last time we played General Burkhalter. Burkhalter, he, right? He was he was also um, one of the oldest. Mm-hmm. But Jewish, as we, we did, Robert Clary was Jewish. That's true, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't mention that, which is an mm-hmm. oversight. We, yeah, I think we did. Oh, did we? Yeah, was it the same yeah. time? I think so. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe. Oh, no, no. Maybe that that was just a text that you sent me. I think that's right. You found out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, at any rate, that's a terrible oversight. <laughs> That's, that's important. Yeah, that, uh, so many so many Jewish actors worked on Hogan's Heroes. Well, Werner Klepper was taking some flack about it. Yeah, and he said, um, "Well, who better to play a Nazi in a show making fun of Nazis than a Jew?" Right, <laughs> was what he said. So. I mean, that's basically Mel Brooks's perspective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, so speaking of which, Leon Askin had some bits, uh, some parts of scenes in Young Frankenstein later on. Did he? But his, but his scenes were cut. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So we wouldn't have seen him in there. Well, I was thinking, like, well, I don't remember Leon Askin in Young Frankenstein, yeah. but okay. Yeah, exactly. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, about Werner Klemper. His last acting credit was when he reprised the role of Clink in, um, in The Simpsons. Right. The Last Temptation of Homer. I think I remember that, yeah. Season five. I mean, I, nine. obviously, I remember that appearance. I just, I, yeah. I remember it being his last acting credit because he wasn't doing much at the time. I think they just asked him if you, if you would. Yeah, ninety three uh-huh. was uh, was when that came out. He had done lots of uh, musical theater and right. um, symphonic singing parts and narration parts of, of different things, including narrating Gerald McBoing Boing. Wow, <laughs> that for a DVD. Uh, at any rate, he they, they said. The, I don't know if it was the showrunners or the actors, the, the cast of Simpsons had to remind Werner Klemper how to how to play Clink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he had left that far, far behind. Sure. So, I mean, why would he be just randomly watching Hogan's Heroes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was a seminal role. <laughs> yeah. It was mm-hmm. his seminal role. Right. Uh-huh. And then last but not least, the actor who played Kinch, Ivan Dixon, I was really surprised because uh, I looked up. I was like, what did he ever go on to do? And he... he <laughs> He directed probably hundreds of TV episodes throughout the 70s and, and into the 80s. Wow. Um, I think all the way through like 70 to, to early 90s, uh-huh. he was directing TV episodes of all kinds of shows. The Waltons, um, the A-Team, mm-hmm. 
Um, well, anyway, that would have been a good one. From probably, the A-Team to the Waltons. <laughs> probably <laughs> one of the few black directors working at the time. I would imagine so, yeah. yeah. What was the one I was going to say? It was a cop show. Not Mannix, but something from back then. Mannix, Cannon, uh, <laughs> Ironside. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mannix and Cannon, those are both on that uh, Me TV, along with the Carol Burnett show and Hogan's Heroes and so forth. <laughs> the only old cop show I really want, or detective show I really want to watch is Rockford Files. Mm-hmm. One of the best all-time themes. Well, one for sure. Best, one of the all-time best theme songs. Yeah. But I thought really cleverly plotted and um, with with good characters. And mm-hmm. James Garner is charming. And so... Yeah. Yeah. I always liked him. Yeah. That's a, that was an excellent part. And they wrote really, really good scripts for the show. Mm-hmm. So that he's a lovable scam. It kind of holds up, even if even though it's stuck in the seventies, you know, aesthetically. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I mean, it's still it's still charming to watch. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's hard to catch because I I don't have I don't have the Hulu or whatever whatever yeah. it's on Pluto or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried Pluto th- this past week, and it has a ton of stuff. It's got like an all James Bond channel, and they've got an MST3K channel and a Riff Tracks channel. Huh. But there's a lot of commercials, um, like an extra amount of commercials. So got to pay for that free, free app. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <laughs> is the name of John Cleese's book. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to It's Just Called Two Brothers. I'm James. And in the background, you can hear Marcus. Our intermission music. That's right. Yeah. You know. so, continue. John Cleese is reading for the audiobook mm-hmm. of his autobiography, and it's wonderful as well. Uh, I went right in from Eric Idle's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life to John Cleese's So Anyway, dot, dot, dot. And uh, it's great. But he spends a ton of time uh, going through his his youth and his um, his very early days as a public school boy. You know, at the uh, St. Peter's School for Boys and, uh, I can't remember the upper one, the high school. Uh-huh. And lots of... Uh, the college. <laughs> when he went to Cambridge and then getting a teaching job back at his previous school. And he talks about meeting Graham Chapman, who was studying to be a doctor. Right. You know, and he was doing his... Once they both got out of there, they're like, well, obviously we're done with this silly Footlights acting troupe yeah. comedy bits sketch thing. And we'll go our separate ways. And John Cleese thought, well, he always has teaching to fall back on, but he studied to be a barrister. Mm-hmm. So he was going to go into law. Graham Chapman was going into medicine. And um, that was going to be that. But then when they got out, they just kind of had some success with touring. I forget. They toured around the British Isles, or at least up to Scotland, and had good reviews uh, enough to where some of the BBC people caught wind of it and offered them some job writing. So they said, okay, well, we can we can do that while we're still finishing our degrees. Uh, it just it evolved into doing that full-time. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, I'm, I'm making tons of money <laughs> writing for David Frost uh, and the B- on the BBC. Right. So obviously we're cut out for this. And that's the super short version. Wasn't there someone else that they wrote for? He It was David Frost, and I thought they... Yeah, they mutually them and the uh, Cleese and Chapman, and then mm-hmm. Jones and Palin. Palin. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't they all get writing work on another show? 
They yeah they it's, they kind of it's uh it's got a weird name it's it's your something something why am I blanking well there was that was the week that was yeah and that called made it TW three but there was another one I can't recall I can't recall the title for but yeah I, I know what you're talking about but they all kind of intermingled writing credits and you know sort of mm-hmm. crossed paths numerous times that's that's all really interesting knowing now you know looking back and seeing oh hey what do you know because they of course didn't know what was to come mm-hmm. obviously so that was pretty cool <laughs> he both he and uh, eric idol were good friends with marty feldman mm-hmm. back in the day and <laughs> he said one time they were going to i think it was ibiza like all the writers got together to do this particular sh- set of shows and so they said well let's just go we're making all this money let's just go on vacation and do it and I mm-hmm. think that was the start of their regularly doing that as a team. Go go on vacation to sunny beachy areas and uh, hang out and knock out the scripts. Yeah. So he said Marty Feldman showed up and he was looking like supremely tanned and uh, exquisitely fit. <laughs> he was dressed all in black. And John Cleese said, he looked like an Armani gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite fun. Good. I don't have time for it, but yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm happy to hear about it secondhand. <laughs> I thought Idol's book was long at eight hours. This one's 12. Uh, so. Got a lot to but, say. <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, I was surprised that when he was in New York, John Cleese, they had gone on tour, went to New Zealand first, and then the American tour, and then he started doing Broadway shows, and he met Connie Booth in New York, who was an aspiring actress there. Mm-hmm. And they almost got married. Yeah. They were they were living together and, and uh, very close to getting married, but didn't turn out to be that. <laughs> but I didn't realize that she was American, first of all. Didn't know that they had known each other all that time. Yeah. Know, I thought they quite were. Quite so married, closely. Did they, didn't they get married later? Uh, well, I haven't gotten to that part of the book yet. All right. So, so I don't know. <laughs> Not so far. <laughs> Pre possible spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. Well, you should know these things anyway. <laughs> well, I'm finding out all the history uh, as I right. go along. I, like, okay, I mean, it's not much of a spoiler to say it's not. It's 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 coming soon <laughs> if you're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's good fun. I enjoy getting all that all the back history right on from well, straight from the horse's mouth. I'm about to start a group read of Dune, ah. a reread for me. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. let's we'll we'll see what happens. How is that uh, new movie? coming is it fraught with peril as the other was no it's it's running along mm. fine i guess i mm-hmm. i'm assuming it's just speeding forward mm-hmm. um i don't for something that's supposed to come out next year i believe they're uh, i don't know it seems the cast seems a little thin but um maybe they'd fix that by now <laughs> well if they adopt the mandalorians method maybe they can hire on to the is it ilm's studio or the have their own thing. I don't know. Um, maybe Disney Plus has their own thing. But uh, maybe, they, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Higher on to that method. Because mm-hmm. that would speed things along considerably. Hmm. Well, because you're shooting real-time things and, you know, you don't have to spruce it up much. You've already made the sets and you're just, you're shooting actors on the backdrops with the sets that you've already made. Mm-hmm. Instead of green screen. Yeah, December 18th. That's weird. All right. Yeah, we'll find out. Denis Villeneuve, um, I guess... They just haven't talked about the cast, but it's supposed to be December. Okay. We'll see. Yes, we will. And, uh, I guess it's still moving ahead. Speaking of moving ahead, you have a music share? I do. There was one more thing. What were, what were we talking about? Oh. Talking about? Uh, well, uh, I was going to say it's the cat's birthday. Speaking, since he's so anxious to be on the show all the uh, time, uh-huh. 
Uh, it's uh, he's seven years old. Little, Is he really? Yeah, grief. Had a little celebration for him yesterday. Um, we don't know mm-hmm. his actual birthday, but we made it the seventh because why not? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really matter what particular day of March it was. We just know he was born sometime in early March, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it was a vague thing when we got him. He was like seven months. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I was singing the Lisa birthday song, "Happy Birthday, Lisa," mm-hmm. and except "Happy Birthday, Winston." And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. Lisa, it's your birthday. God bless you this day. You gave me the gift of a little sister, and I'm proud of you today. Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. I wish you love and goodwill. I wish you praise and joy. I wish you better than your heart desires. And your first kiss from a boy. Lisa, it's your birthday. Turn over a trash can for a drum? No, I just did the Winston, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Winston. Yeah, just did that. And uh, got him some cat toy presents, and he liked all of them, though, which was a switch. He usually never likes <laughs> that stuff. Like If it's crackly, he likes it, but otherwise. Mm-hmm. That, that song is very hooky. <laughs> yes. And John Jay, what's his face? John J. Smith. Oh, that was the that was the name that they used for uh, Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson didn't want to be credited, or oh, yeah, for Smith. contractual reasons be credited. Yeah, I don't know which. Yeah, Kip Lennon. That's him. Who also I think sang the Cheers parody, Flaming Moe's. But uh, regardless, Kip Lennon. That's the dude. Hmm. Good voice. Well, yeah, uh, they liked him because he was uh, chameleonic. He could he could sort of fit a, several different types of of voice styles Mm -hmm. singing they didn't either michael jackson didn't want to or couldn't do the song and so kip lennon imitated michael jackson to sing happy birthday lisa Mm -hmm. he did a good job he did an excellent job and always does always does Mm -hmm. uh i was um for some reason uh, i don't know if i sent you the spintax virus thing uh no okay spintax the green has been doing this This thing about parody of the coronavirus on his Twitter mm-hmm. feed. I was listening to Magic Tavern. And it reminded me how much I like Charlie McCracken's Spintax. Mm-hmm. And he is another one who is, I just think of his voice doing Spintax. I can't, I, I don't know. It's very, very distinct. What do you mean? Is there somebody else that does his voice? No, but I just, he pops up as somebody so distinctly unique that I guess. Um, I remember him doing things more than a lot of other guests. Oh, yeah. Or are you saying, like, when you read the stuff, you hear it in his voice? Well, for sure. That mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. But um, Charlie is really good at, uh, I guess he's a comedian, maybe? Hmm. At the very least, uh, he's a, he's really good at improv. 
So yeah. he, he does those tweets and exactly as he is on the show, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of capital letters. So um, the <laughs> is very emphatic for some reason. I don't know why this is connected to Michael Jackson, but the, <laughs> I was reminded this week, one of the saddest experiences on Magic Tavern was um, Spintax going off on how uh, his true feelings for Usador and how much he... Uh, appreciates his friendship even though they snipe at each other a lot yeah <laughs> and then when usador comes back to the table after spintax is gone the other two <laughs> pretend like they just didn't remember what he said <laughs> like, i don't know he said something about you and this and that <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> yeah yeah he was talking for a long time <laughs> it was very it's very kind of upsetting to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> One of the moments where they were mean to each other, I thought, was unwarranted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was this tender moment where, where a man was pouring out his heart to, a, you know, a friend of hundreds of years, <laughs> and suddenly nothing. Anyway, mm-hmm. You can chop all that out. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's. I don't know if that's worth it. Um, getting back to the thing, though, um, like Michael Jackson co-wrote "Do the Bart Man," mm-hmm. but. So here's the deal. He he wrote Do the Bart he co-wrote Do the Bartman, which was a single. Who did? Michael Jackson. Okay. But he couldn't take the credit on the song because of his other con- contract. Like his his contract didn't allow him to do outside yeah, work. Extra beyond. projects, right. Yes. So he also wrote Happy Birthday Lisa. Ah, okay. But um but I'm guessing he didn't the same thing, he didn't get credited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they included it as a, a bonus in uh, Dangerous a special edition of Dangerous. Hmm. So, um, or it was reportedly started, but then they, uh, then they didn't include it. There you go. Oh, all right. I did not know that fact. So he, that mm-hmm. is actually a Michael Jackson song. Happy birthday, Lisa. Well, I'm sure his, uh, lawyers will be showing up soon. <laughs> I mean, you got to get to Wikipedia first. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Wales has deep pockets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, speaking of getting God's attention, uh-huh. You have a music share. I do. Yeah. The this band that I discovered in 2008 when I was going through a lot of emotional turmoil. And this album, that album itself was born of emotional turmoil. Of Montreal is a project uh, headed up by a Canadian named Kevin Barnes. He, uh, he writes all or most all the songs and they are very autobiographical or, or personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the... The, the album was called Hissing Fauna, Are You the Destroyer? And um, <laughs> it was about, it was mainly about his struggle with uh, mood and uh, depression and uh, going on, you know, some medication to help with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, and I, I've gone, I've listened to the stuff that he's done since then or that they have done. And it's been better or worse. Uh, this new album is very good. So I'm very happy to share that. Contextualizing the mental bibliotech as if to 
this tune. It's it's called "Get God's Attention by Being an Atheist," mm-hmm. which I'm not really sure how much how much it has to do lyrically with, with the song, but uh, yeah. yeah. One of the commenters on the uh, YouTube clip mm-hmm. that I saw. Huh. Why does it a clip? I saw the whole piece. The um, official video right. on YouTube. One of the commenters said that. Like, what does this have to do with? <laughs> yeah. What are you singing about? Uh-huh. I mean, he sings the line in the song. I'm trying to get yeah. God's attention by being an atheist, but I'm mm-hmm. not. I, I don't know that that's. It's just sort of a title applied to the song, not necessarily encapsulating the song. Yeah. Yeah, pretty nice. Got some pop elements, but definitely um, an interesting lyric. Mm-hmm. I like that. And mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I like that rough edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not all of his stuff. There's uh, some crazy electronic you know, elements a lot of time to the songs. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, very loopy. and um, it, It's a little Philip Glass, in my opinion, where there's some repeated harmonies oh, that's um, that sort of play in uh, a lot of the songs. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, mm, I want to say mesmerizing, hypnotic mm-hmm. in a way. Mm. They sort of, he, he, he is a song weaver, if you will. Yeah, interesting. Because yeah, I'll have to listen to it again with that in mind. Mm-hmm. See if I mix it. Yeah, on no. the on Genius. See if I get it. Somebody excerpted an interview with Kevin that says it's a cheeky song playing with these different ideas of whether or not you can have blind faith on whether you need to antagonize God into believing in you. We're always worried about us believing in God, but it's more important that God believes in you. So it's playing off that idea, and also with the carpe diem chants and the choruses, it's not about being afraid of life, or it's about not being afraid of life, not letting society or convention it conventionality uh, prevents you from exploring your psyche, exploring your sexuality, exploring all levels of your human experience. Hmm. All right. It's all in there, man. It's a cute video. It's a really say. cute video. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very, it, it's simultaneously cute and strange. Yes, that, that it is. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, exactly what's happening, but I probably have to read the lyrics while watching yeah, it. I don't think so. They, okay. <laughs> it doesn't just, really, it doesn't really uh, correlate, I would say. Okay, good. <laughs> well, then I got it right. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> we'll link the video and the... Well, just link the video. That's the, the most convenient way of, of, of getting both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, are we ready to hit up? I think so. I don't know what else to say. If you'd like to send us an email about Montreal or another Canadian <laughs> city or province... Yes, I love Canada. Marcus you can loves send- Canada. That's true. You can send it to bros at it's just called two brothers.com. If you use the Twitter, you can tweet at us at IJC2B. Mm-hmm. And I have a blog. A blog and newsletter. Yeah, my blog is at marcusharwell.com. And uh, I post uh, photography and drawings there and um, just, you know, stuff that I'm working on at the moment and stuff from daily existence um, mm-hmm. around Portland. And. Um, I have a link to my newsletter there, which I release weekly. Pronologus. Yeah, buttondown.email slash pronologus, P-R-O-N-O-L-A-G-U-S, and the newsletter is called But This Is Wondrous Strange. It is. <laughs> you, know, you know that reference, right? Uh, no. Oh, it's Hamlet. Yeah, I haven't read any Shakespeare. Uh, we, we did that before, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a Shakespeare person. You should be, though. <laughs> You have one side of the of the Western literary canon. Get the other. Make me. It's the the base of the Western literary canon: the Bible and Shakespeare. Boom, you got half of it right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw Kenneth Branagh's uh, Richard the 
fifth. Okay. Wait. Uh, Richard the fifth. Richard the third. Henry the fifth. Richard the third. Henry the fifth. There we go. Yeah. Most of it. Okay. And it was uh, certainly dark and dreary, but I watched. <laughs> uh, it's very the, muddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very muddy. But uh, that's okay. It's a good Henry the fifth has a lot of cool speeches in. It. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I saw uh, Romeo and Juliet in high school. That was part of our English mm-hmm. class. But, uh, right. I don't remember. I think we did anything but the plot. Um, yeah. Well, the language is important for uh, idioms in English. Certainly. So the yes. it's it helps to have a context for where they came from. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and stop recording. Fine. Be that way.